Hey, my friends, get ready for our next episode where we explore the complicated twists and turns of grief and loss. Today, we have an amazing guest, Sky Nielsen, who also happens to be my amazing sister-in-law. She'll be sharing her own tragic and even beautiful story of losing her mom and watching it all happen unexpectedly at the tender age of 12. This episode is for you if you still bear the scars of grief and loss, or if you have loved ones navigating it and you want to better understand them. Today's pivotal episode on grief not only helps in healing, but also leads to surprising mindset shifts that create massive growth. We'll explore how facing grief can boost empathy and connect us deeply and pave the path to a more insightful, fulfilling life. Hey parents, welcome to Fulfillment Therapy. Do you want to raise your kids better and have a stronger marriage? Are you up late at night researching marriage and parenting tools and self-care tips? Do you start each day hoping for deeper connections and less chaos, but it ends with family arguments and going 12 different directions again? My name's Kendra, wife, mom, therapist, and growth enthusiast. It wasn't until I discovered how to fulfill my unmet needs that I was finally able to show up as my best self, as a spouse and parent. I realized that by meeting my needs, I could more fully meet the needs of my family with more energy and less resentment. In this podcast, I teach parents skills like boundary setting, prioritizing personal needs, communication, and claiming ownership. Just like my clients, you'll be shocked by the improvement in your marriage, parenting, and personal life when you focus on fulfilling your important unmet needs. Ready to prioritize yourself so you can quit mentally throat-punching people? Then grab those earbuds and head outside, and let's walk and talk. Hey, just a really quick reminder before we start talking to Sky. January 29th is only two weeks away, and I am doing that live one-hour workshop on refueling parents. So that is a 30-day winter reset blueprint, and this really is going to help you rejuvenate and get out of that hole you might have been in recently. So this is if you've had cabin fever or seasonal affective disorder or any of those things, or you're just in a slump and you need more motivation and you need some guidance and some direction, this is the perfect place to go because it is just one hour of your time. And you can get those free resources to help propel you forward in ways you generally can't do on your own. In addition to that, just through January, I am giving $600 off the Costa Rican retreat. This is the last flash sale that we have, and it's only for the next few weeks, probably about two and a half weeks from the time that you listen to this. So go to fulfillmenttherapy.org to sign up for both the workshop and that retreat you are not going to want to miss either one of those. I have put everything into this, and I know how much value I am giving you. And you will soon find out after you sign up for these things as well. Now let's jump into that interview. Thank you so much, Sky, for being here on the interview today. I know I've talked to you about being on the show several times before, and I'm so glad that you agreed to it. 
but we actually recorded this already in Driggs, Idaho, and when I went back to go do the editing, it was just unsalvageable, sadly, because it was such a fun experience to do that with you in person. So we are doing this take two via Zoom, and I pray that the audio will be so much better because it was just terrible. So anyway, thank you for coming back yet again to talk about grief and loss. This is a very hard topic for some people. And especially for that, thank you for coming on and talking about things that are challenging and might still be raw after all these years. So if it's okay with you, I'd like you to talk about your experience with grief and loss in your own words. And before you go right into that, if you would just tell us a little bit about yourself and we'll go from there. Thank you so much for having me on your show, Kendra. I really appreciate it. And I'd be happy to talk about grief and loss because it's definitely been a big part of my experience in my life. My name is Sky, and I am married to a wonderful man, Jacob, who is Kendra's husband's little brother. And I have two kiddos, an 11-year-old daughter and an eight-year-old boy who's almost nine. And yeah, just a couple of years ago, I would have identified as a lot of other things, but we recently made some big changes in our lives. So I guess now I'm a homeschooling mom and really have just in this last year and a half or so have made some really big changes and and really slowed down the pace of life. And yeah, it's been a really neat journey and I'm grateful. And, And my grief has been, the grief that I experienced as a child has definitely been like a foundational piece to all the changes that I've made in this last little bit. Yeah. And I love that you said foundational because that's essentially what it is, even though it's this terrible tragedy. It it defines us in a lot of ways. We don't always want to over-identify with that, but it really makes us who we are when we go through those big experiences like that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. So the listeners don't know anything except for you've experienced grief and loss yourself. And I did mention that you lost your mother at age 12. Do you mind telling us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I did. I lost my mom when I was 12 years old in a car accident. Yeah, the two of us were driving, we were driving from Portland, Oregon up to Seattle, Washington when we lost control of our vehicle. And I always kind of explain it that it happened as quick as it took me to fill my lungs up. It was like we were driving along and everything was so normal. And then, um, yeah, we just, we hit water and there was kind of standing water on the road and we hit that, started hydroplaning, just lost control. We rolled one and a half times and then landed on our roof. So upside down in a ditch full of about three feet of water. I lost my mom that day. Uh, The way that the car was positioned, they couldn't get her out for about 10 minutes. And so she passed away that day on the road. But there were also good Samaritans that had stopped and they performed CPR. were able to get her heart beating again. She never breathed on her own, but we were able to get her to the hospital. And then it was like 28 hours later that that she passed away. And and so my experience and was not only the loss of my mom, but also like kind of coupled with this traumatic car accident at the same time. Right. And were you injured? Um, I had just minor injuries. I was treated for hypothermia just because it was raining that day. It was really cold. And obviously I was like completely submerged in, in that water. And then just lots of cuts and bruises. I had really big bruises from the seatbelt and the rollover and a lot of cuts just from broken glass and that kind of thing. Right. 
And we've discussed this many times. Well, I, I've heard a lot about this, but trying to remember what, obviously the listeners don't know some of these details, but were you with your mom when she did pass away? You said 28 hours later. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like I said, we were kind of between Portland and Seattle when we got into the accident, which happened to be about three hours away from where my dad was down. He was down in Corvallis, Oregon. So I, they took us, my mom and I both to the same hospital in Longview. And then my mom wasn't doing well. And so they wanted to life flight her to a bigger hospital in Portland, Oregon. So she was life flighted to Portland. I waited for my dad to get there. And then he took me to Portland. And it was really, you know, such a blessing because I think, I think my mom's journey quite honestly ended that day on the road. But the neat part to it was just that those good Samaritans were able to get her heart beating again. So, and it gave my family all time to fly in. At that time, my brother lived in Texas and he was in the military. So it, you know, it took a little bit of time to get him home. Um, All of my mom's family uh, was in California. So it just gave us that little bit of time. I wouldn't really say there was a lot of, there wasn't really a, a time of hope necessarily from the accident on, but it, it did give our family time to kind of be together. So I was able to be there and it, and it was a choice <clears throat> that my brother and I were given, but essentially, you know, she had gone about 10 minutes without oxygen. And so that's just so hard on the body. So after that, tw- you know, it was after about 24 hours or so, they were pretty much telling us like, her organs were, were just having a hard time coming back. And as a 12 year old, like how are you processing this or are you even processing this as it's happening? What did that look like for you, especially in that first day or even those first few hours? I would honestly just say like really bizarre. I know you and I have talked about this in the past, but I definitely like, I would have hoped that I would have been like present and aware of what was happening, but it really was, I was definitely just in shock and just kind of walking through the motions of it all and not fully aware of really not in a space of like being able to process what was happening. Yeah. So I just look back on that and I was just like, man, I wish that I had been more present, real recognizing like these could be the last times I could see my mom. But at that time it was just I was so removed from reality. It was like she was hooked up to all of these machines and yeah, I was going, there's just so much, not only emotionally, but physically too. I, I remember everybody hugging me at the hospital and every hug was just like excruciating because I had such bad whiplash, like every, you know, every muscle was like, I needed to be physically healing, but I was in, you know, it's just such a traumatic experience being through, going through that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's another layer that you hadn't mentioned before, just even how badly those hugs hurt because of your own injuries. But again, not even probably not even processing that because of what you mentioned, that shock. And yours is one story from many people that I've talked to about the complicated grief that they experience. And yours is was quite traumatic as a 12-year-old child. And you were there for this experience. You witnessed it. You saw it how challenging that would be. Like, I can't imagine a child of mine going through something like that. Did you have, or do you have still any flashbacks or dreams or anything like that from the accident? I did for a period of time. Like, I definitely have, yeah, like kind of triggers to certain things. Mm -hmm. Right before we lost control of the vehicle, I think it was the car in front of us that hit the water. 
and it splashed so much water up on our windshield that we couldn't see anything. And it was like such a loud smack that sometimes, you know, when you're driving down the road, I mean, I lived in Oregon up until a year and a half ago, and there's a lot of rain. And the car next to you, you know, throws water up on your windshield. I wasn't really aware of it until like in my 20s. And just recognizing like the change in my body when that would happen. And definitely the feeling of hyperplaning. Um, But that has like, definitely subsided with time. I'm happy to hear that. And I'll ask you a little bit more about that later experience. But I had just mentioned what the first little bit was about, but what about the first month or the first year? Like, what did grief look like for you during that period? Yeah. So I think, you know, being a child, being so young, I do think it's kind of an interesting thing. For me, grief has always been kind of an ebb and flow. And I would say it was even in that beginning piece, it really was because I think as a child, my initial kind of coping mechanism is was just to stay busy and to almost not touch that piece and so I so I actually I didn't live with my mom full-time I lived with my dad full-time and I would visit my mom every other weekend so the interesting piece to my experience was just that when my mom passed away I went home to my dad's house and really nothing changed my day-to-day didn't change the people in my house didn't change the only thing that changed was that like this whole piece of my life was just like severed, you know? So I think that was the way that I coped in a lot of ways. I went right back within a couple of days and was playing a basketball game. I went back to school, I think even like a day or two before her service. I don't feel like I had the capacity to like sit with that loss. So the way that I coped with that was just jumping back into things. But what happened was often what I remember is just crying myself to sleep at night because it was I couldn't stay busy during that time. And that was really when it would just like wrap tightly around me. Yeah, I've heard that from a lot of clients as well. Like that stillness is triggering or the part that really makes it unbearable. So they do everything they can to fill up that silence or those moments of inactivity. And it sounds like that's what you did too for well, how long do you think you did that? Hmm. I would say probably at least the first year, maybe a little bit longer than that. But again, you know, the interesting piece with when you're a child was just my capacity to to process that loss really just, I think, came at a a later date. Um, So while it wasn't quite so like fresh, I would like ebb and flow through it. So I'd be good. But then like any time something came up in my life where I wanted my mom or I needed my mom or I thought she should be there, then it would crash in really heavily on me. And that happened all throughout high school. And I mean, really all throughout my 20s. I really feel like it's just recently that I've sort of grasped how to like fully hold it in a way that's not so abrasive. Yeah, this is something that we spoke to for quite a while. The the first time we did this interview, you talked about a couple things that I'm wondering if you could share with them about the really essentially these tender mercies or these angelic people that you encountered there. Do you mind telling a little bit about that? Oh, and then I'd love to. Yeah, no, this is like my favorite part about the story nowadays, right? It's it's something that um I think like I explained to you, I always see it. These are like rays of sunshine on such a dark day, but there's a lot of really neat pieces to it. 
So yes, so my mom and I were in this accident. It was the two of us. We were hours away from home. And there happened to be these like Good Samaritan. So there was one Joanne who is super special to me. And she actually didn't see us lose control. She didn't even see the car, but something told her to pull over. And as she pulled over, she happened to see in her rearview mirror that there was a car upside down in the water. And she was one of the first people to get to the car. She was kind of there as a couple of other gentlemen uh, were coming up to the vehicle. And she was the first person I saw when I stepped out of the car and she just embraced me. She just, she stood next to me. She did not leave me. And they put me in somebody's vehicle to warm up. That was so cold. And she stood right outside the window. And I like have vivid memory of her body and with her umbrella and her just standing right there. And it was like such absolutely an angelic sort of person to walk into my life at that moment because she just held space for me. I was not alone. She was there as soon as I got out of that car. And Joanne and I have since kept in contact. I've been down to her house. She moved to a lovely place in Palm Desert. And she's like one of my favorite people. We can talk for three hours at a time. Um, There was also a gentleman who drove a log truck and he happened to have an empty log truck that day. And I don't remember if he saw the accident or if he just happened to drive up on the vehicle, but he ended up stopping three lanes of I-5, Interstate 5 and traffic and hooked his log truck up to our car and pulled it out of the water so that they were able to gain entry to my mom. And I've also, um, I've seen him since then. And he said, I mean, he drove that that route every day. He said he's never driven by that spot without thinking about my mom and I. And he and I actually even wrote letters back and forth for a couple of months after the accident, which was really neat. Oh, wow. um, and then the last one that's really neat was the, the state trooper. And I hadn't actually ever seen him in person, but I did find him on Facebook. It would have been probably five or six years ago, kind of around the anniversary. You know, I always would start thinking about it a little bit, thinking about it more, I guess. And I happened to I knew his name and I was like, oh, I'm just going to come up on Facebook and see. And I ended up finding him and I sent him just kind of a quick message, just asking if he happened to be the state trooper um, that helped the a woman and, and her young daughter out in 2003. And he got back to me and it was really neat because he knew exactly where I was. And he said, I've always wondered what happened to you. And I just wanted you to know he was pretty young when that happened and pretty early on in the course. And he had never given CPR to somebody whose life depended on it before my mom. And that experience, he said, ended up influencing him to become a medic in the Air Force. And I just thought that was a really beautiful sort of awareness for me to have because prior to those awarenesses of those people and how it affected their lives, it's really easy to like focus in on how it affected mine, which, you know, naturally was like pretty tragic and heartbreaking. Um, But then that ripple effect kind of like goes out and it ended up being really neat for a handful of people. That's exactly what I was thinking too, when you said it is that ripple effect. And how it's important to remember those things because then there's this other part of you that you just said it's like this part of you had been severed your brother was older he was out of the house your dad was remarried and it was really just you at home and nothing else had really changed and yet your entire life had altered in such a huge way so I could see how it'd be really easy to just not recognize that she did impact other lives and the grief associated with that too yeah, so much. Yeah, it ended up being very healing to kind of have, because I lost my mom, who is the one person that I experienced that with, it has been really healing to have other people who are like roadside with us, right, that like can validate 
that moment that that happened and and how that affected my life for sure. Absolutely. Another thing you mentioned the last time that we met was about a really beautiful, essentially the spiritual experience that you had during the accident. Do you mind speaking to that? Oh, sure. I'd love to. Yes. So um, I think the last time, you know, you were kind of asking me what my memory was of the accident. And I was sort of explaining, it's very much so like a comic strip, you know, it's sort of like these like memories, but they're definitely not all sort of connected in a way. Um, But there was one very vivid memory. So as we lost control, I remember feeling that we were hydroplaning. I remember the feeling of rolling over. And then I remember the windshield kind of folding in and the water coming in. And as the water hit my face, you know, at this time, my body is upside down, buckled in completely underwater. And all of a sudden, I just completely detached from my body. And I felt like the most serene, kind of calm comfort. And I heard my own voice just very curiously, absolutely no fear, no worry, just curiously asking, am I going to die? And and then something outside of me, you know, I, I read a lot of near-death experiences. Like I, it wasn't that I saw anything, but I was aware that something outside of me answered that question and said no. And um, I think the way I kind of explain it, that moment, that feeling is what I think it would be like to be in a womb, right? I just had no cares. Like I, I felt so taken care of and so comfortable and no fear. It was just, I was just prepared. It was just like, oh, like, is this, is this the end? Am I going to die now? Like, do I get to move on? And, and then I had the answer no. And immediately <laughs> I was back in my body. I had the awareness to unbuckle my seatbelt, which I do feel like was divine guidance because I could have very easily panicked, but I wasn't like, I just had the awareness to do that in a very calm way. And then panic came after that. But I think that's such a beautiful story. And not all of us have these big spiritual events. Like I've mentioned that my brother died when I was an adult, my youngest brother, my youngest sibling, and then my dad died when I was five and a half. So like I've had both ends well, hopefully not the end of my life, but both parts of my life (laughs) experiencing what that's like. And I don't know that I had an experience quite like that with them. And yet I know a lot of people do. What a gift that is, that comfort or something to look back on. And you've mentioned several things in our conversations, but even just today of those beautiful moments that kind of helped you through something so tragic and big in your life. Like as a 12 year old, of course, you would need maybe something like that. And I just think that's so beautiful that you had that experience. I truly do too. And I appreciate that. I will absolutely say like it, having that experience, I feel was just so that I knew that my mom, I think my mom had that same experience, except her answer was different, you know, but I don't think my mom struggled at all. And I think, yeah, what a beautiful gift to be given, especially as a child, because and being right next to her, I like I needed that confirmation that she didn't struggle, that she wasn't fearful. And and that is what I received through that. I'm just so grateful that you had that such a beautiful moment for you, for sure. When we were talking the last time, one similar thing that I thought about was when my my daughter must have been six weeks old or maybe even less. And afterwards, they told us that this would have been a SIDS death, but we were holding her. So we know that she stopped breathing for about four or five minutes because we were on the phone with 911 and they recorded how long the call took and how long they were en route to come to our house. 
there was that same moment where I was holding her trying to get her to breathe again. And I asked a question through this and it was, is she going to be okay? Is she going to die? I think the first question, is she going to die? And then it was, is she going to be okay? The feeling very clearly came, it's going to be okay. And the same thing like you were talking about, like it was outside of me. It wasn't me at all, Mm -hmm. but this peace and this comfort that it was very obvious to me that that voice or that awareness, whatever you want to call it, was not telling me that she would live. And yet Mm -hmm. I still felt that peace, like whatever happens, it's going to be okay. And when you told your story about just that, that moment Am I going to die? Just that peace that came over you, the same kind of thing. And I'm so grateful for opportunities like that, going back to those tender mercies of something so terrible, so traumatic. And you realize that trauma, even though it's this horrible thing, this grief, this loss, all the things that ensue, it's not always pure darkness. Sky, you talked to me a little bit about those first few moments, that first month and that first year. When did it get easier for you? Because we all have very different experiences in grief. Sure. Like I said earlier, for me, it really was like an ebb and a flow kind of throughout life. Like it would get easier and then it would get harder. And I do feel like, especially growing up all through high school and that type of thing, like all of the kind of milestone moments that I wanted my mom, you know, even if they were like the best moments, graduating or sports events and things like that, it was like, was so good but it was always sort of tainted by this grief of just like man what I would do to have her there as like the one face I want to see in the crowd you know that even went into my 20s you know having my daughter being a young mother um, a young adult like you know just all of these times that I felt like I needed my mom and to be frank with you like the times in between you know the flows would get longer before the ebb kind of thing um But I really experienced like a huge shift in my grief, just like right at about 30. And um, I wish it didn't have to take that long. But I do think sometimes that is the case. And I really was doing the best that I could in all of those chapters of time, like with the capacity that I had to, you know, to deal with that and to process through that. So for me, it took a long time, but it did happen like very profoundly shifted. And that really was just due to going to therapy and walking through parts therapy really just changed my life. I'm glad that you spoke to how it looked for you because I think, well, actually, I know just through training and through talking with my clients and my own journey that it can look so different for different people, especially where they are developmentally and not even necessarily an age thing exactly. It can be maturity. It can be the different things that we're exposed to. But I think just you being 12, for example, it's so much harder potentially for a 12-year-old to process emotions and to, again, it's your mother. So maybe that tender figure in your life that might have helped you navigate that a little bit more. I can't speak to what your other family members are like. I don't know. But not having that modeled or something, maybe that takes a while for the right figures to come forward or for you to just simply even your brain to more fully develop or this maturity to take place to really understand that complex grief and know what to do with it. Oh, I think absolutely. I mean, I had really wonderful people in my life. My dad is such a good, such a good dad, such a tender-hearted man. But and my stepmom, as well. You know, I think they always did the best that they could, and they offered me what they had their capacity had the capacity to offer me. 
Absolutely. I mean, I think that was like the real heartache was I felt like the one person that could help me was the one person that was taken away. Tune in next time for part two with Sky Nielsen. And don't forget to check out fulfillmenttherapy.org to sign up for that workshop and for Costa Rica. I'll see you in all the places. Hey friends, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, chances are someone else would too. Would you take 30 seconds to share this with a friend who's looking for greater family fulfillment? And while you're sharing, tell me what you think about the show by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It refuels me when I hear this podcast is helping you, no matter what your house or your hair looks like. I'll meet you back here every Monday and Thursday morning for more episodes. Until then!